0: Can you got it right? Got it. 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 Can you got it? Can you
1: got it? Can you got it? Got you got it? All right, so happy hump day and welcome back to the Urban Girl Corporate World podcast. I'm your dopest hostess with the mostest, Nicole, and I am so thrilled that you chose to get over the hump this week with me. Today's guest is certainly one you should be watching. She is the vice president and chief information security officer at Twitter and has held leadership roles at several Fortune 500 companies, including IBM, Palo Alto Networks, Intuit, eBay, Walmart.com, PG&E, Rinky Sethi. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nicole. So excited to be here. Man, I'm excited to have you. So to to give a bit of of context or background, Rinky and I are both members of a group that I like to call the hashtag Forte Force. We are a circle of women executives in cybersecurity. And as I just began to learn more about Rinky and interact and engage with her, I and, and just learn about her accomplishments, I was so impressed. And I just knew I had to have her on the show. So really excited to have you here. Definitely want to dive into your work, your experience, your journey. But first, things first, Rinky, how much fun are you having heading up information
0: security at Twitter? It's an amazing role. You know, being in the center, I joined Twitter about a year ago. And when Twitter was in a stressful state and the center of the conversation of everything that was happening, um, but Twitter's a really cool company and they lead the way and so many, like just aside from tech, just how they approached the remote work and everything they do, they're leading the way and kind of paving the path for other companies out there and uh, leading security and helping make sure that the conversation layer of the internet is secured is. Definitely a fun job um, and with a really cool company. So I'm, I'm loving it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I remember to, to the point you just made about Twitter leading the way, I remember when it was announced very early, likely before any other company did that they were going to do a significant amount of transition of work from
0: home. And I thought that was pretty impressive. It was amazing. I mean, they've started the decentralization prior to COVID. Right. So they already had launched that. And then COVID happened, which just helped accelerate that and has shown kind of in uh, just I I would say in pounds and pounds that it's worked really well. And so we're continuing to focus on that. And it's helped a lot with our diversity initiatives and uh, how we bring in kind of different ways of doing things for the company.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think there was a meme that I saw um, that, that said, what was your digital transformation enabler? And everybody said the pandemic. So right on target thinking about, I know I talked a little bit about your career journey, very, very high level. And I do want to dig into that more. What inspired you to take this role?
0: So I, um, was working at a startup company, um, leading security for them. Um, I was the CISO at a company called Rubric, and um, they were in the their unicorn startup, I joined to help take them IPO. Um, and I was there a year and a half when the pandemic hit. And I you know, like many other startup companies, you had to scale back, and you know, it just I felt like I was at home. I was started kind of going through an identity crisis. I had a lot more time on my hands. I started making these extravagant meals for my family, like mm-hmm. many of the many of you probably did, and I uh, enjoyed that for a little bit. And I enjoyed the time with my kids and all of that. And then it was. I I got to a point where I'm like, I don't actually like cooking that much, and unless it's for fun, not on a day to day basis, and I got to a point where I was like, what am I doing with my life and without a job where I was meeting after meeting and traveling and all these things, who am I as a person and what impact am I making to the world and I got a little depressed and I started feeling like I need to make a change. I need to do something where I'm making bigger impact. And um, Twitter reached out and said, Hey, we're looking for a CISO. um, And we'd love to talk to you. And so the rest is history. And I feel like I found a role again, where I can make impact beyond just the day-to-day of a CISO, but like make impact broader than that use the Twitter platform to do some good and, um, I'm busy, like you can't imagine, and I love it. And I love the impact that I'm able to make in this role. And so that's kind of what I was looking for. And that's what inspired me. And of course, being in the Bay Area, born and raised, Twitter has been an amazing company to watch. And so to be at a company where I really respected the values and to go and help take security forward was, it was just kind of like a match made in heaven for me. And I'm super grateful that I get to be a part of the Twitter journey. I think a
1: lot of us started thinking differently about work, family, habits, impact. I know for me, a lot of it with the pandemic shifted to, you know, like what's really important, right? Like, how am I spending my time? Who am I really impacting somebody's life? Is the work that I'm doing important? And I think um, you, you stated it perfectly you know, really, really being able to to take a step back and, and, and be honest and real with yourself. It's challenging, right? Especially like when you're moving fast and you're traveling all over the place and, and, you know, doing all of these great things. But it, it's just like, is that what I really, really want? So I love the fact that you could incorporate more of like your, your, your mission statement, your purpose into what you do every day. And I can only imagine that, that has to be amazingly rewarding. So kudos to you for that, because I think a lot of us are still trying to trying to get there. Now, you mentioned that you had been a CISO at a smaller company, a startup. Um, Talk to me about your journey to CISO.
0: Yeah, it's been a really, um, it's, uh, I guess nobody has a straight path to CISO. We all have our interesting ways. But for me, um, I started off as a security engineer. Um, I got into security right out of college, which I know people don't hear very often because a lot of people started in IT and security wasn't even a carved out career path. But um, I graduated from college and I was recruited into a utility company to be an engineer in their information protection team as they called it back then. Um, and so that's where I started my career. I uh, learned everything I through reading and getting certifications and learning from peers. Um, I shifted roles pretty quick um, from there to go and take um, from a security analyst role at a utility company to taking on a security engineering role at Walmart.com. I my one of my peers ended up teaching me everything I pretty much learned as a security engineer while I was at walmart.com. I still today wonder why he took me under his wings and mentored me in that way, but he did. And I learned everything in that role. I also found my passion in security while I was there, um, which was around how do you, because I was a computer science graduate by trade, I really related with developers and how do you, changed the hearts and minds of developers to care about security and build security early on. And security culture change became a passion of mine. Um, And so I took on a role at eBay to drive security culture change. Uh, My career grew there. I was the chief of staff for the security organization. I went from then eBay to Intuit, um, took on a role completely different to lead product security and a transformation that Intuit was going through at the time to move data and move their entire company pretty much into public cloud. So you think about um, software like TurboTax and Mint and all these companies moving to cloud. And so I had to lead the product security transformation through that. And it was really there that I felt like, you know what, I really want to continue in security leadership roles and broaden my experience. Um, So I went from then into it to Palo Alto Networks to take on a different role leading security operations. Um, and then from Palito Networks, I went to IBM, led enterprise security for a really short stint. And that's when Rubrik came along and said, hey, we're looking for a CISO and we'd love to bring you on board. And I was ready and I felt that um, that I, it was a great company to take the first CISO role for. So that's kind of my journey. I've jumped all over the place in various different security roles um, and then took on the CISO role um, just a few years ago. I love how you mentioned shifting security
1: culture. That is such an underpinning of how successful an organization is going to be um, when it comes to security. Um, Like getting leadership buy-in, obviously important. I also appreciate that you talked about, you know, being able to change the hearts and minds of developers. That is so, so key. I actually, uh, earlier this year, hired a former software engineer Um, to sit on my team as an information security manager. And I am learning so much from him because he speaks the language of the developers. Sometimes I'll come up with things that I think are are great solutions, great things to do. And he's like, they're gonna hate that, we cannot do that. So being able to have that speak that language is so valuable and probably a a piece that we all missed. What were some of the
0: strategies that you used to kind of shift the perspective of security for developers? Yeah, I, one of the things that I realized with developers early on is you have to understand how they work. You can't come in from a security mindset and think about all the holes that they, you know, that developers may create through not having the right training. So, I'm one, you know, I remember early when there wasn't many, like that many tools and stuff, I remember training them on the OWASP top 10 and their eyes would just glaze over like, here's another training but what has worked is when you bring, in I've noticed this in any group of people or any group of employees, whether that's finance or marketing, you have to bring things that affect them and where they can actually see that this is the impact of my role and how it could impact customers from a security perspective. So what I've always loved doing is you have to bring the right data to the right people at the right time to change their hearts and minds. And with developers, something that has worked is when you can bring an application that they've helped develop or a piece of code that they've written and you can show that you attacked it and found issues with it and the downstream impact it would then have on the user that it would have on the company that has changed minds and so showing them and it's like whoa that's actually something i helped contribute to showing them that is just goes miles and miles and um ha- having done that and then also having them part of hackathon or hackathons or ctfs and things like that where you showcase that hey this is how a hacker thinks it's just again it's like whoa like it's that easy to do that and it just changes the way that they think they don't go back into their roles ever forgetting what they've learned through those experiences so that's worked um a lot and for me at least in my experience
1: i like the idea of relevant information to the right parties at the right time right like make it personable make it relatable and you get such such a better response and engagement not only from developers but honestly anybody across the organization i think that's um a a great strategy i remember there was a company i worked for uh, we had a lot of fraud in the in the sales department um, with with bad actors uh, registering for our services and, and through our SaaS product. And essentially, I worked with the uh, the fraud team to come up with some data and really show like the different attack strategies that they used, how they were able to get through sales with it, and it opened up a lot of folks' eyes, right? And so I I, I love the thought of um helping them think like a criminal, because that's what we need them to do as, the, as they build these, these products and tools and services. So are there any
0: other things along your journey that you look back at that you're really proud of? Yeah, one of the things that, I mean, it still give it still gives me goosebumps just talking about it, thinking about it. And it was one of the things when I mentioned when I was making that shift um, that, you know, during the pandemic in change of companies, it's one of the things I thought about and that I was most proud of is, I remember at Networks, um, my daughter was probably, oh gosh, like I I was there in 2015 or so. So she was about seven, eight, six, seven years old. And I remember she, her not using technology in a safe way and me realizing that. And I was like, as a parent, I don't, like as a CISO parent or as a security leader parent, not having taught my kids how to be safe online, and I talk about it all the time, but it still hadn't, you know. Again, of talking about changing hearts and minds, she hadn't taken it to heart. I remember her getting a text message from a game saying that, "Hey, if you want uh, more coins, like, can you text this number or whatever?" And she's like. Oh and she texted this automated message back and said I'll let I'll ask my dad when he's up from a nap and then I was and I saw that and I'm like okay fortunately nothing bad happened but it could have right and so I was like we need to I started getting me really passionate about we need to teach kids about cybersecurity at an earlier age and get them like the tips and tools and and then that would maybe even help get more kids to pursue cybersecurity as a career path and i was like i'm working at Alto networks which is a cybersecurity company and there's so much good they can do to give back to the community and so i drove one of the first partnerships with the girl scouts to get cybersecurity curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade in the hands of every um girl that wanted to go and learn about cybersecurity in every zip code in the us wow and we got cybersecurity badges in place and they started teaching their not only their friends, but their parents and their communities about cybersecurity. Now I'm hearing about some of those girls actually going to college and pursuing cybersecurity wow. as their career path. And I see I get goosebumps as I talk about this right now. It's the most meaningful thing I think I've done in my career and I'm so proud of it. Um And not only did we get to build the partnership, but I actually got to build some of the curriculum that the girls are now learning from. And so it was just such an exciting, impactful thing. And I feel like doing things like that is why I do this job. And so um, that to me is the moment I'm most proud of, and I hope I get to do more things like that.
1: That's fantastic. I have two nieces, one who's almost a year old and one who's 10 and the one who's 10 she's always had an interest in technology she has all the tools and tablets she spends all day playing Roblox I mean like she's really into it and and we just got her report card and her grades in science and math were phenomenal And so when I'm hearing you talk about you know getting, these young girls involved so early, right? It makes me think about my own niece and representation is so important and to be able to connect, you know, her experience so young and and then hear about how it's manifested into career choices and education choices for girls. I can see why um, you're really proud of that. I think that's, Fantastic. Hell, I'm proud to know you knowing that you you did that. Um, now I know your journey has also probably been filled with with some challenges. Can you talk to me about you know some challenges that you overcame and, and what helped you, you know, cross that bridge?
0: One of the earliest challenges, and there's been so many along the way, Nicole, but I remember one of the earliest challenges I had was um I've I've been used to being kind of one of the only women in a team, and I never and the only girl in a class in the tech classes and comp site classes and i never really thought about it and even the way i was raised i was raised completely equal to like the world's my you know oyster and i can go and do whatever i want there never thought about the barriers or thinking about myself as a girl versus a boy until i had my first child and that was when i was um you know still a security engineer and i remember uh i was like oh i'm just gonna take the 6 weeks of maternity leave and go right back to work and so that's what i applied for and that's what i decided to do and 6 weeks passed by just like that and then i remember i felt like i needed a couple more weeks uh, i just wasn't recovered and it wasn't i wasn't ready i remember uh, my boss telling me no you can't have the couple more weeks you need to come back to work and i came back to work and um, i remember that you know i tried my best and i was a i was a high performer i did good work Um, But I was struggling because I it was a round trip, 80 mile drive for me. Um, and at the time there were no nursing rooms and so I remember I'd have to go into like a closet pump come back sometimes in that closet somebody was taking a meeting in there I had to kick them out go and use it and it was just like not an ideal situation and it just was burning me out and it, it seems really funny talking about this now that we're in the middle of a pandemic and we have we're in the comfort of our home or you know at least for some of us that um and I just remember that I went back to my boss after a few weeks of being back and i said can i work from home once a week and it would give me the break i need you know um to be able to do that um and he just came back and said no he didn't ask me why i needed the work from home like what were the reasons and he said if i let you do that i'm gonna have to let everybody on the team do that And I remember looking left and right and I was working in a team of guys and I I came back home and I was like, you know what, I'm not working if this is what it's going to be like, I'd rather be a stay at home mom, this is not worth it. And my husband's like, I support you cool off for a little bit. See if you still feel like that in a couple weeks. And I still did feel like that in a couple weeks, except I felt like I'm not going to leave until I educate folks around why this is needed in the workplace so I worked with HR and I was like we need to build a work from home policy it can't just be dependent on individual managers to go and do that and as a mother I can't like you know I, I I'm i being forced out of the workplace because I've got to make a choice on how I parent versus you know and how mm. I um and so I went back and I worked f- and we got a work from home policy established all the guys on the team Nicole came back to me and they were like Thank you so much for driving that. Because as a parent wow. myself, I haven't been able to have the flexibility I need. And I felt like, and I, and you know, that manager and I are still friends um, and we're still connected. And I feel like he had really good intent. He just didn't know how to manage the situation. And so I feel like part of my, like me has been like, you have to educate people around you, you know, because they don't naturally know the difficulties you face as a woman in tech or as a person, even in other areas, if they haven't had to face that themselves. And it gave me the fire back. And I'm like, you know what, I don't want to leave the workplace, I need to drive change. But it was such a challenging time. I remember like balancing my having a child, a small child at home, um, having gone through really tough delivery, and then coming back to work and changing people's minds. And, um, you know, and of course, you hit these uphill battles and face these challenges all the time. But I feel like that one was really a meaningful kind of changing moment for me at that time. Um, And, you know, it stuck with me that if things are not in your favor, it doesn't mean that people have bad intent, but you've got to kind of educate and drive change. So
1: I have a I have a, a Facebook community called Urban Girl Corporate World. And it's really for women listeners of the podcast. We've got about 805 women from all over the world. And it's a private group. You can't see it. You have, you know, you have to get access to get in. And we talk about a lot of the challenges that we face in the workplace that are you know, a lot of times attributed it to us being women. And I think as I'm listening to this story, I think about how many other women experienced the same thing, but didn't have the support at home or didn't have a manager that could accept that feedback or didn't have an HR team that actually cared, right? Like, you know, I remember when I first started working in entertainment, well, my second role in entertainment, um, I remember when we had a very small office space on top of the Best Buy, we gutted out a, uh, a, a, a closet that we used to store materials to make it, you know, a, a mother's room, right? Like that wasn't that long ago. You are amazingly strong because I don't know that I would have been in the headspace to, to fight that fight. Um, But I also appreciate it so much because it wasn't just about you. It was about so many other women that came after you. And again, back to the theme of changing the hearts and minds, right, of your leaders, of your teams. And they probably, that probably made them more sensitive to challenges that their own partners were facing at home, having children, right? So, Is that your leadership style? Like, tell me about your leadership style because you have this secret sauce of like, you know, shifting, you know, the compass for people.
0: Is that your thing? Is that your specialty? i like to think so i feel like my my if anybody was to tell you my leadership style is uh you know i really care about people like i do care and um i i'm very like open and i want to listen and change constantly the biggest thing i have is like i'm very direct right and i do assume good intent and i feel like that's gotten me far that being direct asking for what you want being direct with feedback you know as long as your intent in your heart is good um, I think that it goes a long way and people respect that, um, even though it may hurt and leave scars in the short term. And I've had to learn to soften my style along the way, but I think those things are like my leadership style that it's, I do like, I, want, I love to drive change when I don't get the chance to, I get bored. and So mm-hmm. I have to have something I'm working towards. Um, I love being like direct, I love assuming good intent and like, how can we change things for the better along the way?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You should always, all of us should, should aspire to leave things better than than how we found them. So to tie it all together, um, leadership, and and then back into um, information security. There's this conversation that seems to be trending lately about the different types of CISOs, right? But if you just think overall, and we can attack this from maybe a CISO perspective, or maybe a general leadership perspective, or maybe a women in leadership perspective, whichever way you you prefer, you know, what are some of the key strengths that you would aspire women leaders or women in tech leaders to build? And what are some of those things that have worked really well for you?
0: Yeah, I think um, for, I'll give a couple different takes on this one i think for women leaders specifically um you know there is we're still especially in the security space there's still very few of us and what i've learned is like i think it's really important to not assume bad intent when there's situations like i mentioned earlier uh where there's situations that may not be in your favor to not assume that it's because somebody's out to get woman or anything you know there may be situations like that so i'm not discrediting that but if you assume good intent and you want to like really teach i think that goes way longer way and has way more potential benefits than being upset and angry and really assuming that the intent was bad so I would say just keeping that always in mind. um, And that probably goes beyond just security leaders I just know that we don't have very many females in our in our field, um, and that's changing for the better. Um, In general, I would say that, you know, one of the things I know I had to shift from being a technology, like very technical to being then in a leadership position as a CISO, and one of the things that becomes so important uh, is communication, right, And, and building relationships, ensuring that people know that you understand the business really well, that it's not just about this technical security issue you need to go fix, but that you understand what the business goals are, you are communicating with your stakeholders, other leaders, making them champions of security as well, and then you're communicating r- risks really effectively and how they pay, uh, tie back to business decisions. I think that's a massive change you have to make when you go from being an a manager or individual contributor to being a CISO, because there's now it's not just a technical role, it's much bigger than that. And it's a business leadership role. So I think that's a massive change in mindset that has to happen. And it's an interesting role, too, because it's you have to balance the technical aspects of it with the business aspects of it, um, which become more of an art than a science at times. But I think communication is key in that.
1: Yeah, totally agreed. That's one of the things I really, really love about the BSO role, right? It's blending the worlds together. And it's not just saying you have to do this because you have to be compliant, but you should do this because it makes great business sense. Because I understand what you're working towards and I want to help you get there safer, better, faster. Here's a small thing I think we can do. How do we make that happen? Totally, totally agree. Rinky, what does winning at work mean to you?
0: To me um it's all about the people at the end of the day i feel like you don't there's you don't make any progress without a team behind you um to me winning at work is having a team behind me that enjoys doing the work they do um and there's a team of people that trust each other that has you know we spend more time at work uh than we do sometimes at home with family even in this like work from home state that we're in um but I feel like winning at work is when you can come back and say I love what I'm doing and I love the people I'm working with and I always I know I've given this advice to my sister and like to like family members where it's like don't look like to me like having fun with people at the end of the day is winning (laughs) when you're Mm -hmm. happy and you're smiling and you have a team of people you trust that to me is the best thing ever um and I hope that like I've, you know, I know I've created environments like that. I hope people say that about the environment they're in with me now. And that to me is definitely winning by far any day. Absolutely.
1: It definitely is about the people because the people are going to do the things and the people are who you're going to be at work interacting and engaging with, right? If you have happy, passionate people, it makes a world of a difference. I know meeting Joe on your team, he's like, amazing. And he is like so passionate and engaged. Um, it's hard not to run over meeting time when, when him and I are, are talking. So if that is any indication, Rinky, you are definitely winning at work. Um, speaking of winning, I understand that you won the 2014 Executive Women's Forum Woman of Influence Award and in the One to Watch category which is amazing um, and many other awards, but I called that one out because I've nominated for the same award this year. Oh my gosh. And congratulations. Yes. That's amazing. I hope thank you win. You. I'm I rooting so for too. you. <laughs> thank you. It's going to be announced on October 18th. So not far from today. So I'm definitely keeping fingers crossed. Um, Me too. And if I win, I'll, I'll definitely share the news, but I'm really excited yeah. about that. Oh so my gosh! thank you, Rinky. So what's next for you?
0: I um, I'm loving my role at Twitter, um, and it's been a career changer for me, to be honest. Um, I didn't actually realize it when I took the role on that as a South Asian woman um, that there's not many of us in roles like this. And so a lot of people in India and things like that women in, from India reached out and they're like, Rinky, you're, you know, we look up to you and we want to hear your story more. And so I from a career perspective, it's opened up doors in amazing ways um for i don't know like what do you do after being the seesaw on twitter like i don't know and so i next for me could be running my own company i've always dreamt about that that building a security product company um you know i would love to do that one day um but i feel like i don't want to lock myself in either like the door's open to do whatever i want and there's so many areas of interest for me but um, we'll see. We'll see. I, maybe having my own company at some point down the future. Um, maybe, maybe something I go and do.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the possibilities are endless. Um, it's definitely obvious that you are going to keep inspiring women and girls all across the world, um, and teaching us all how to change hearts and minds and make things better for everyone to come after us. I have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you, Rinky. Thank you for making the time. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And that's it for this week's episode of the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast. Be sure to tune in each and every Wednesday for more. I will see you then. you
0: got it. Que you got it, got you got it, Girl, you got it, wow. Girl, you...